Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael talks about being in 23. I uh, just want to take a, a few minutes. Well, I mean, a few's relative. I'm going to take some time. And uh, I, I, I was just hit with this thought. Um, it's really yesterday during the day um, that... Many people have been stuck in 2022 with what do I do in 22? What do I do in 22? There's been just this consistent, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And it's resulted in what normally results in a whole bunch of what do I do questions. Anybody know what normally happens? Nothing is the answer. That wasn't even one of the options, but it normally becomes the answer because I just can't decide. What do I do? Okay? And a lot of that stuff comes from, uh, you know, some people say that you're confused, and Jahan shared this recently, something that I've said many times throughout the years, you're not confused, you're conformed. So you've been programmed so long to think certain ways and make certain choices that when the Lord presents another option, you get confused like you don't know what you should do, but it's really just because you're so conformed in your thought processes that it's not just easy to discern the voice of the Lord, right? And so in our um, conformed state, we have been stuck in what do I do in 22? And I feel like there's just been a lot of people that have been stuck in what do I do? You've you've contemplated a lot of things to do. You've contemplated a lot of what's the Lord saying? What's he doing? And we've even assured ourselves that I'm super spiritual and super obedient because I want to do whatever the Lord says. I'm just waiting on him to tell me clearly but the only reason it's not clear is because you're so conformed in your thinking, right? And the bad part is, is when we pat ourselves on the back and say, man, I'm such an extravagant follower of Jesus. I just, I'm ready to do whatever he says. Reminds me of the story. Um, I just heard Paul tell this the other day, and I've told it a bunch of times, and I'm not even sure if it'll work, but we'll try it. Guy was getting, there was a flood coming, and, and the warnings went out on the radio and the news that, hey, there's a flood coming. Everyone needs to evacuate this area, okay? And this guy is a believer, right? So he said, I don't need to evacuate. The Lord will save me, okay? And so the floods come, and they're up on the, uh, up to the top of his front steps of his house, okay? And they come by in four-wheel drive trucks and they're coming through the water and they pull up to his house and they say, hey, come on, we've come to rescue you. Let's go. And he says, hey, I don't need rescue. The Lord is going to save me, okay? Then the water gets up. It's a two-story house. It's up to the second floor and he's standing in the second floor in a few inches of water. They come by in a boat and they say, hey, man, Get in this boat. And he says, I don't need to get in your boat. The Lord is going to rescue me. Okay? 
And then it keeps rising. He's on top of his house on the chimney. Okay? And they come by in a helicopter and sent a rope down. And a guy's hanging off a rope, reaching out his hand saying, take my hand. You're going to drown. There's no, this is it. And he says, I don't need your helicopter. I don't need your hand. The Lord is going to rescue me. And the floods come on up higher. The man drowns. Goes to heaven. He stands before the Lord. He's like, Lord, I just knew you were going to save me. The Lord's like, dude, I put it on the radio. I told you to leave the house. I sent those guys in four-wheel drive trucks. I sent them back around in boats. And last minute, I sent a guy in a helicopter to get you. And you refused all of my help. Now, that's kind of the way I see with, as soon as the Lord speaks to me, I'll obey. And he's like, I've told you 14 different ways. Go, move, do it. I just, I think I should fast and pray another six months. I'm, I'm too spiritual for God. God is more carnal than me. He's not talking spiritual enough. These are all just coincidences, right? I need it. It's more spiritual rescue. I need a more spiritual word. His word is not enough. That teaching is not enough. I need something that's just sensational. I need someone to call my name. I see someone in this room, the Georgia sweatshirt on. Call out your address. It's powerful stuff. But if the Lord has to do that every time to get us to answer, that's sad. So I feel like some of us have been, what do I do? Which way do I go? What's happening? And he's like, with every temptation, there's a way of escape. I can just see that way being like, and we're like, I just don't know what to do. I just, I just don't know what to do. I don't know whether I should sleep with this person who's not my spouse or whether or not I should be faithful to my spouse. I know that was nobody. I mean, that, that's how crazy it is. Maybe that's the devil telling me to give. Maybe that's the devil telling me to some radical form of obedience, right? Come on. We just get vexed till we're frozen. We're frozen chosen because we can't make up our mind. What do you want for dinner? Oh, God. (sighs) We literally act like following the Lord's like deciding what to eat for dinner. But your opinion's not that much involved in following the Lord. And he's not real unsure or real confused or not unclear. He said, I want 
chop house and I wanted it at six o'clock and I want to sit in the corner booth with Andy, the waiter, and I want you to give him a hundred dollar tip. That's how God makes up his mind about what he wants for dinner. And we're still at the house. The chop house would work, but Lord, I just don't know. What about, what about Aubrey's? They love the Lord at Aubrey's. Come on. But it's time to come out of what do we do in 22? And just be in 23. Just be in 23. See, you don't have to worry about what to do if you've decided who you're supposed to be. You can't give because it's the right thing to do unless you know you're a king and you're cared for, and you're a son, and you've got unlimited resources at your disposal. You can't give the way you're intended to give unless you know how rich you are. You can't. You can't do any, you can't do enough in 22 to equate to what you can be in 23. You can't do enough to become something. What is it about, oh, oh, I don't remember. Man, I've heard, I, I thought of so many. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You can put pig, uh, lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, right? If you sit in your garage, it don't make you a car. I mean, all these things. You can do a bunch of stuff that's supposed to look like who you're supposed to be, but it won't make you be that. But if you'll be that, all the things you're supposed to do will come natural out of who you are. You don't have to tell a duck to quack like a duck. It just quacks like a duck. But you can make a dog quack like a duck all day long. It still is not going to be a duck. So you can try to conform yourself. The Bible says don't be conformed. Stop sitting around vexed about how you can do enough to be conformed into the right image. Be transformed. Become the right image. Become the righteousness in Christ. Become the vessel. It's no longer I who live, but it's him who lives in me, and he knows what to do. It's time for us to quit trying to do enough to be something that we're not. And just be something that does the thing because we are. See, doing does not necessarily beget being. But being always begets doing. I know we're not supposed to be hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word, but we're supposed to be transformed by the word. That's when we become doers of the word. We become the word. (laughs) We hear it. 
we receive it, it impregnates us, and we become it. We become transformed, metaphor, meta, I can't say that word, metamorphosized. I did say it. I just tried to curse myself. You can. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But we're trying to hear it and do it before we're hearing it and being it. And then the doing it comes natural. In Judges chapter 6, we see a story about Gideon. We're probably just going to try to stay away from reading all this today. But in Judges chapter 6, we see a story of Gideon, okay? And Gideon was, was the Israelites, Gideon was a part of the Israelites, and the Israelites were oppressed by the Midianites, and the Israelites would, would grow crops, and when their crops would come up, excuse me, and it was time to harvest, the Midianites would come in and steal the harvest. Nothing worse than working, tilling, planting, sowing, doing all the work, and someone else reaping the harvest. That's, that's bad. That's torment. And so Gideon's hiding, trying to take in some of his harvest so the Midianites don't see it. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, comes to Gideon, and in essence, explains to Gideon that you're going to save Israel from the Midianites as by one man. Gideon goes on, if you look in uh, verse 25, the same night that the Lord had spoke to him, he took his father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and tore down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and built an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly way, and take a second bull and offer the burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah which you cut down. That is bad to the bone. I not only want you to cut it down, I want you to take it and build a fire with it to offer a sacrifice to me with it. Come on, in this culture, when we're afraid of everything and backing down from everything, that's the God that we serve. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Asherah poles serve a purpose in glorifying the Lord. <laughs> they got brought into the kingdom and used to build an altar. Gideon, bad to the bone, took 10 men, tore down the, uh, the altar to Baal, and he tore down the Asherah pole, and then he builds an altar, puts a bull on it. The people wake up the next day, they're scared to death. The word of the Lord was, don't be afraid of the gods of the Midianites. And that's where they disobeyed. They got afraid. Because they got afraid, they got oppressed. Because they got afraid, they got dominated. Because they revered those false gods higher than their God, they ended up becoming a slave. You will serve whichever one you fear the most, whether you want to or not. 
takes 10 men, tears all this stuff down. He's so bad to the bone that they, they get so fired up the next day and they're like, who did this? Oh my goodness, we're in trouble. And they find out it's, I think it's Jezreel. Uh, computer went black. Is it Jezreel? Somebody knows the story? Padres, that's his name. Jezreel. Come on, I lost it. Anyway, goodness gracious, what's Gideon's dad's name? Joash. I mean, it was a J something. Isn't everybody in the Bible a J something? They find out it's Gideon, Joash's son, and they change his name. They start calling him Jer- Jerobel, Jerobel, which means let Bell contend with you because you tore down his, his altar. I mean, is anybody bad enough to the bone that they've changed your name to some name that means let, the, let, let Satan contend with you because you have destroyed stuff in his kingdom? And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want them to change my name. You know, this is how bad the bone is. So he does all this stuff. He tears it all down. Then he goes to fight the Midianites, and he's got 32,000 men with him. And this is still small because the Midianites, it says they were like the sand on the seashore. That's how many the Midianites were because they got some of their friends, Melikites, I think, and some more kites and ites and tites. And... It was more than the, the <laughs> it just reminds me of Robin Hood, ites and cots and tots. Right, anyway, so. that was for those couple y'all laughed. Y'all needed that today. They were more than the sand on the seashore. You couldn't even number them. And, and, and Gideon has... 32,000 men, and the Lord's like, you've got too many people, Gideon. you got too many people. You're outnumbered 10 to 1, but that's too many people for me because I'm that bad. He said, just ask if anybody's afraid. If they're afraid, let them go home. 22,000 people go home. Gideon's got 10,000. He just cut his army in half. Cut his army in half. I remember Bill Johnson said he successfully grew Bethel when he first went there from 2,000 people down to 1,000 people. Good job. That's what Gideon did. He successfully took his army from 32,000 to 10,000, and the Lord says, that's still too many people, Gideon. Y'all won't really be able to see my power if you have that many people. So he says, hey, he gives them a little test about how they drink water out of the creek. It's really not all that important. It is. We could preach a whole sermon about it, and we could do type and shadow out of it. This is not important to the message today. All right? There was a sorting process that took place, and all of the 10,000, so 9,700, I don't know why it took me so long, 9,700 I overcomplicated it. I was trying to carry something. 9,700 went home. 300 people are left. 
32,000 down to 300 against an army that's as many as the sand on the seashore. And the Lord's like, okay, this will work. I can work with this. And he gives them strategy, and they hit strategy and break pots and blow horns and light torches and in groups of 100 and three different places, and the army just turns on themselves. I mean, it's just terrible. And they beat them. It's amazing, but here's the thing. Here's what happened with Gideon. Gideon did all that awesome stuff. But the Lord didn't just go to Gideon and say, hey, Gideon, I want you to do stuff. He went to Gideon and he said, let me see this. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And Gideon said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our father told us about? Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midian. Go in this strength of yours, you valiant warrior, and save them from the hand of the Midian. Where am I at? But he said to him, Oh, Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. Gideon does some tests with the Lord to confirm that it's the Lord, and the Lord confirms these things to Gideon. So that day, Gideon became who the Lord said that he was. He became a valiant warrior who could go in his strength and defeat the Midianites before he ever did anything. Before he went to his fathers and tore down the Asherah pole, before he tore down Bell's altar, before he did any of that stuff, he had an identity shift. He had a revelation from the father in Genesis 17, we see when the Lord is speaking to Abram, before Abram has Isaac, before Abram is the father of many nations, the Lord says, I'm no longer going to call you Abram, but I'm going to call you Abraham. It's the father of many nations. So Abraham became the father of many nations before he did the thing to be the father of many nations. When you know who you are, the things you're supposed to do just come natural. But when you don't know who you are, you'll be doing all the wrong things, trying to be something that you're not. Genesis 32, we see Jacob wrestle with the Lord, right? And when he's wrestling with the Lord, the Lord says, you'll no longer be Jacob, but you're Israel. Now, if you know the backstory of Jacob, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver. Jacob was supplanting and deceiving from his mother's womb. 
He was trying to steal birthrights and steal place and steal position and steal all these things. And when he wrestles with God in Genesis 32, and the Lord says, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but you'll be called Israel. There's a whole lot more to that story, but here's the point I want to get to you. When you go on to uh, verse uh, chapter 33, Jacob comes in contact with Esau. And this is the coolest thing. When he comes in contact with the one who he had tried to steal the birthright from, the one that hated him, they get in an argument about who's going to bless the other one the most. Esau wants to bless Jacob. Jacob wants to bless Esau. Both of them say, I have plenty. Please take And Jacob wins and blesses Esau. So the one who never had enough and always was trying to get, always trying to deceive, always trying to supplant, once he became Israel, the first time he come in contact with one who he could try to get from, he ended up giving to. But that didn't happen until a transformation took place. Happened with Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Elias, some say prophet, some say all these things. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And you're now gonna be called Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Before Peter did all the things that the church was built upon, he became the thing the church was built upon. The transformation took place in his life, and Peter messed up after that. Even after transformation, he messed up. But y'all know the story, man. It's so beautiful. He denied Christ three times. When Jesus comes to Peter on the boat and calls him in and Peter jumps in the water and swims ashore, he asks him three times. That's this many. I said three times. (laughs) Three times. Do you love me? Lord just gave him that opportunity. Every, I mean, there's, there's no, you'll never convince me in a million years that that's not wasn't intentional in the heart of God to ask him three times. Because that's how faithful he is. To reaffirm our identity, even in failure. Because he knows how important it is for us to know who we are. Before we try to do what we're supposed to do, We have to be who we're supposed to be. I mean, I'd hate to say Jesus had any lack in any way. But in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus is baptized, before he starts his whole work, before he does the first miracle, he comes up out of the water, and the heavens open up, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Before the doing started, 
Before the doing started, he was proud of the being who he was. And I believe even Jesus, that unlocked who he was, that affirmation of the Father in that moment, that declaration, was just a release that he could start doing as he's affirmed who he is and who he's being. See it with Paul. Saul changed to Paul. Here's something really cool. Did you know that Saul wasn't changed to Paul on Damascus Road? Anybody, everybody know that? He wasn't. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You know, I didn't know that. Right? I thought it would be a great object lesson for this sermon today. I hate to admit that, but I, I was like, you know, yeah, you know, Saul on the way to Damascus, he's blinded. And then he's, he becomes Paul, right? It references uh, Saul later in Acts chapter 13. And it says, uh, Paul, who was... Verse 9, let's see, Acts 13, verse 9. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how Paul was. Looked somebody dead in the face and said, you like, you're a liar. You know, <laughs> such a cool little story. But what, he was speaking to somebody who was trying to be deceptive. And, and trying to be something they weren't. And trying to pervert what... Paul and Silas were trying to do. And so he's, he's, he's trying to, this, this magis, magic guy, I'm sorry, it was, it was Paul and Barnabas, that wasn't Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas just go together like beans and cornbread, right? But he tells him, you know, you're a liar. You're the enemy. You're trying to deceive this leader and you're trying to pervert what we're bringing here, this message. And it says Saul, who was also known as Paul in that moment, and after that confrontation with that deceiver who was trying to pervert what they were doing, he was never called Saul again. He went with Paul. Did you know Saul was his Jewish name? And you remember in Philippians chapter 3? I believe it's Philippians chapter 3, yeah. He says, if anybody has reason to boast, nobody has any more than me. And he goes through all of his criteria and his lineage of who he was in his Jewish custom. Right? He says, but now I count that all as dung. Just to know him. See, this, this perverting spirit was trying to hide revelation so the guy wouldn't know him. And that's the same thing religion does. And so we see this final usage of Saul turning to Paul in confrontation with somebody trying to spin religion. And from that moment forward, he uses the name Paul, which means little or small. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And so there's... Identity that we need to understand that we are not a peon, we're not a grasshopper, we got to see ourselves right, right? We got to see ourselves as a valiant warrior, but we also can't see ourselves wrong where we think we're so much higher. 
that's just as deceived. And we need to say, I choose. It doesn't say the Lord changed Saul's name. He just chose to be called Paul. There's some things that the Lord is speaking over us and he wants to change our identity so we can be and do what we're supposed to be and do. And some of us, it's not him speaking to change it. We're going to have to just choose to change it. Some things he comes and puts on you, but some things you got to take off. Because they both have the same result. Thinking you're too little, striving to be something that you already are, you just don't realize it. If you realize that you would be effectual in what you're doing, because it would come out of sonship and daughtership and who you are, or you do a bunch of stuff to continue to build your accolades, but you have nothing because it's all built in pride. And you're still, the same results happen and you still have nothing in the end. So all we need to do is know who we are, come on up to who you are, and come on down to who you are. (laughs) And don't get caught up with trying to get up and don't get trying to stay up. Just be right here. This is all you can handle. This is all you're made for. And it ain't, this won't be easy. This will be all you can handle. And it'll be the most fulfilling adventure that you could ever possibly have. Because you're made for it. You're created for it. But a bunch of doing is smoke screens. It's either religious smoke screens or it's insecure smoke screens or it's believing lies about who we are and trying to make ourselves better than we are or believing lies of who we are and try to keep ourselves better than we are. What are we going to do in 2022? Nothing. It's over. (laughs) I'm not going to do whatever I did or didn't do. It's done. But I'm ready to be in 2023. You can't do enough stuff to be a good father if you're not a good father. You can't be a good father if you're not a good son. So just worry about being a good son. (laughs) Worry about being a good daughter, and you won't have to worry about being a good dad. And you won't have to do a bunch of stuff, just be... A good son. This whole thing that I said won't be easy, it's way more about receiving than giving. He says that one of the biggest deceptions you could ever have is to think somehow you did something on your own to get to this place. You got too many men. You're doing too much stuff. You got too many accolades. Send some of them home. Put some of them in the dung pile. Let's just get back right here. You just be who I made you to be. 
And it's going to take, you're going to have to pack a lunch. It's going to take you all day just to be this. And you know what it's going to take you all day of doing? Receiving. Resting. In our culture, in our society, we need to pack a lunch to rest enough. What did they do? Don't fear those gods. Don't try to do a bunch of stuff to appease. It's going to be all you can do just to be what I want you to be. Don't try to be something some other God wants you to be. Come on, it applies today. You can't be what I want you to be and be everything the world wants you to be. You can't be what I want you to be and be what approval of man wants you to be. You can't be what I want you to be in every TikTok and print Pinterest and every other thing that tells you what you're supposed to be. You can't be all those things. And they're louder. They're more pervasive. Because he's gave you a choice and he says, come to me. He's whispering, you got to draw nigh to hear him. He's not yelling, trying to demand you to do what he says. But he does say there's always going to be a way. There's always going to be a way. I'm not hiding it from you. I'm not trying to be hard to find. I'm easy to find. If I wasn't easy to find, you wouldn't even know my name. Come on. We set this whole thing up in a way you could never boast in your own ability to find me. I came for you. Come on, people. Will you stand up with me? Worship team, come. Doing comes out of being, but being doesn't come out of doing. That's cart before the horse theology right there. And we do it in the church. Hey, stranger on the street, in case you're wondering, I've got some things you need to do. And if you do these things, God will love you. They can't do those things till they know God loves them. Sons do those things. Daughters do those things. Orphans don't do those things. Orphans don't act like sons. They've got to become sons. Then they can behave like sons. Then they want to please their father. It's a cart before the horse. We got to invite the world into receiving the love of the Father. I can just hear mockers now taking what I'm saying right now and making fun of it. What's wrong with the world? They don't know how much God loves them. They don't know how much God loves them. They don't know how he fearfully and wonderfully made them. 
they don't know how much purpose, how much destiny, how much plan, how much intentionality they were created with, how much purpose is laid out before them. They have no idea that a loving father has written their days out. That's why goes all the way back to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. The reason they cut themselves and they scream out and they do all these things is because they don't know that they could just speak like Elijah to a father. Say, I need a fire. If you don't send a fire, these people are going to kill me. Dad, Please send a fire. They're crying out to a mate of God. If we don't answer us, they're going to kill us. Oh, maybe if we'll cut ourselves, he'll be sympathetic. Maybe if we'll scream louder. Maybe if we'll jump. That's what the world is doing. They're acting out. They're raging because they don't know. And we may not look as crazy and we may not look as wild, but sometimes patterns of our life are so similar because we're doing a whole bunch of stuff. Without knowing who we are. It's not flowing out of identity. It's not flowing out of purpose. We're trying to compensate. We're trying to mask. We're trying to charade. We're trying to cover prayer team if you'll come and I just want to invite people let's be in 23 it's just time to be stop thinking about what to do stop thinking about what not to do just father I need the revelation that you gave Peter Father, I need the wrestle that you gave Jacob. I need the limp that you gave Jacob. Whatever it takes, get me in the dirt. Don't leave me the way that I am. Change me, transform me, make me what you intended me to be. Change my name, change my focus, change my identity, change my makeup, change my DNA, change my mind, transform me. I don't want to be conformed to anything. I don't even want to be conformed into your image or conformed into the world's image. I don't want to be conformed by what I do. I want to be transformed by who I am and whose I am. Just let your blood wash over me till all you see is Jesus, your son. Jesus, let your blood wash over me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am a valiant warrior. I'm a father of many nations. I am. I am his son in whom he is well pleased. I'm not one who esteems myself by my accolades or by my awards or by the praises of man. I'm one who gets low and chooses to be called Paul, chooses to be called low, chooses to be called little because I know that little is much when God is in it and I'd rather be the little that God's in than the much that he's nowhere near.
Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.